Inside Geeky Podcast. My name is Allison Whipple, and twice a month I'll bring you a conversation with a fellow haiku practitioner about the way that food and the seasons show up in their haiku practice. Visit www.culinarysaijiki.com to listen to the podcast, read long-form essays on these topics, and sign up to join the podcast conversation. You can also support the project at buymeacoffee.com slash culinarysaijiki. Enjoy the show. All right, it's time for episode six. I am coming to you from the kitchen table in the place where I'm staying. I'm enjoying some nice breakfast tea that John brought me from his travels in England this summer. And this is going to be the last time I record from this house, assuming, you know, everything goes well. Knock on wood. Uh, On uh, Wednesday, we are closing on our own place in St. Louis which means uh, soon we're going to get all of our stuff out of storage and hopefully I will have access to my real microphone again for uh, the next episode. So I'm super excited about that. I have loved being here. I've loved being uh, around my nephew every single day. He's just such a treasure and uh, I'm excited to just um, still be in my own space and find my all my good creative equipment that's just been in storage and who knows where for months. And and, uh, I'm going to get the uh, supporter bonus out sometime this week. Things are a little hectic, what with closing on a house, Uh, but I am uh, really enjoying putting those together as well. And uh, if that's uh, not an option for you, just uh, share the show, share the episodes out on your social media, share them with anyone you think you would like them. Um, And uh, people also say, oh, you're supposed to tell people to leave a review. Uh, If you want to, uh, go ahead. Uh, I hate writing reviews. Uh, It is, I just hate it. So, uh, you know, if you want to, great. This will probably be the last time I say anything about it because I don't want to ask anyone to do something that I personally have no interest in doing. All right, so my guest today is Matt Defebo, and we are talking about some tanrenga, which is a form of uh, collaborative verse uh, that he wrote with Christina Chin. Uh, they have an ongoing uh, tanrenga practice together via Google Docs, and Christina wasn't able to come on, uh, so it was just talking to Matt. We still had a great conversation. But, you know, Christina, if you're listening and you ever feel up for it, I would love to uh, talk with you uh, as well. So this is the first time on the show we're not talking entirely about haiku. We're actually talking about tanrenga, which is a, you know, it's it falls under the umbrella of Japanese short forms, but it is, it's a different form. So uh, the uh, conversation goes a little differently, I think. Uh, a little uh, longer than some of my other episodes, um, but I had great fun. And so, you know, if you write more tanka or haibun or other collaborative forms like renge or renga or split sequences and they talk about food, uh, food shows up in your work, I welcome those as well. All right, enjoy the episode. 
All right. Met Defabau is a Virginia-based poet and haiku enthusiast. He has degrees in mathematical sciences and operations management. Defabau's latest chapbook, The Cuckoo Always Midsong, Haiku and Haiga, was done in collaboration with artist Penny L. Mellon and is available from Barnes & Noble Press. His work has appeared in numerous journals, including Frog Pond, Modern Haiku, Failed Haiku, Stardust Haiku, and Trash Panda. And today he uh, will be discussing uh, some uh, Tanranga that he's written with Christina Chin. And though Christina is not here with us, I did want to read her bio as she is the co-author of uh, these poems. Christina Chin is a painter and haiku poet. She's a four-time recipient of Top 100 in the MDAC Summer Contests, exhibited at the Palo Alto Art Center in California. She is the sole haiku contributor for a Muse art book of Randall Vermeer's paintings from Artreach Publications. She's the first prize winner of the 34th annual Cherry Blossom Sakura Festival 2020 Haiku Contest, and the first prize winner in the 8th Satuchi Matsuyuma 2019 Photo Haiku Contest. She has been published in numerous journals, multilingual journals, and anthologies, including Japan's prestigious monthly Haiku Kai magazine. So although Christina could not be with us today, I am so excited uh, to talk to Matt about uh, their collaborative poems and their process and food. So welcome, Matt. That's good to, good to be here. Good to meet you. Yeah, good so. to Good to talk to you. I've seen your poems everywhere, so. It's <laughs> good to hear. Yeah. Uh, do you want to read your first two? Yes, I'll go ahead and read these. Um, so the first one is, the first three lines are my, my verse, and the second two lines are uh, Christina's response. These are all Tan Ringa poems, which are short Ringa poems of just two verses. Usually three lines and then two, but sometimes we've done some that are two and then three or some will do like part, like the first part or the second part or third part, but. All right. The soju glass held firmly in two Koreas when children played on sor sorghum stilts. Cold rainy day, eating hot curry, I wipe my tears. She finds the rubber chicken in her purse. All right, you yeah. want to read them again? I always like to yes. have this. Oh, yeah, twice, 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 yeah. The soju glass held firmly in two Koreas when children played on sorghum stilts. Cold, rainy day, eating hot curry, I wipe my tears. She finds the rubber chicken in, my, in her purse. All right. Uh. Uh, I, I love these two, and I tried to strike a balance of the uh, the initial uh, poem and the two-line response, um, but right. then I just ended up going with all of the ones that uh, really spoke to me. Um, so um, you explained a little bit about uh, the Tanrenga form um, already, um, but what led you uh, to it and specifically into collaboration with Christina? Yeah, so I've... I've been writing haiku for a long time, but I used to write just the five, seven, five form for probably many, many years. And then about in 2019, I read some of, uh, you know, Robert Haas's book, The uh, Essential Haiku with the Isa and, you know, Basho, what's uh, Busan is the other one, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And um, that's what got me into the form currently of like, you know, modern haiku, because I noticed all of those are translated in less than 575, and they sound a lot better than 575. So um, I've been doing this on my own for a long time and have anybody to teach me or, you know, no mentoring or someone to teach me how to write. But um, I was introduced to Renge by... Uh, by a poet and uh, I started writing those with her just like a couple it was uh Sherry what is her Sherry Grant oh yeah Sherry Grant yeah. Sherry Grant yes I'm sorry I just slipped my name slipped there but um yeah we wrote some and that's kind of what introduced me to like the collaboration and it also done done some uh Ranku with the Haiku Foundation website the couple they had I uh sent some verses and so that was my first taste of kind of linking and then I kind of got addicted to doing it after writing some Renge. And I realized, like, I kind of like, I kind of prefer just the single tan Renges. It's, you know, because it's like self-contained. You don't have to worry about connecting to something beyond just the initial verse. I kind of like that. So we'll send, like, I'll send her five one day and maybe she'll send me five or one day I might send her one. You just kind of, sometimes I try to make something kind of funny off of it or surprising usually to kind of, make her laugh or whatnot. Uh, but, you know, a lot of them are kind of serious or, you know, they can be fun or serious, whatever way I like to go with it. Sometimes you might have a serious first part and you might take the second part a different direction just to kind of have more, something more interesting going on with the poem. Um, so was Christina the poet who introduced you to this form? Um, no, I, I, I learned about this for, form on the uh, Michael Dylan Welch Oh, okay. website grace guts and i also saw that the haiku foundation uh john stevenson led a um tan Riga session there last year at some point and uh, i sent some verses to that but um this the first time i've actually written them with someone like uh personally was with christina okay. and uh, we started like in february we've written probably like 500 and 500 some by now so wow that is yeah. impressive yeah a lot of them we don't really worry about perfecting every single one of them. It's kind of like you just, you send them, you just, some of them, some of them stick work with you and some of them don't. So uh, the main thing is you're, you're kind of, uh, you're accepting whatever you have and trying to make the most of that poem in the moment without dwelling too long. Cause if you dwell too long, you kind of, it's kind of defeating the purpose of the form really. So. And do I you mostly, to... sorry, do you mostly collaborate via email? Yeah, we do uh, docs on the oh, okay. Gmail, yeah, or the Google. So I'll open that every day and see what's there. We'll leave comments and boom. It's I mean, it's kind of, it's pretty fun. I'd encourage other people to do that. And you learn a lot because you know I kind of learn from her style of writing, which is a lot different than mine. She's kind of more she's more like uh, in the moment and image based. Like you know, I kind of deviate from that somewhat. I'm kind of like in a Tonka mindset or a you mindset and she's more in a haiku mindset so i think it's a good play then also she's from malaysia so the cultural like she has different animals and plants and stuff that i get to usually have to look them up and google them and see what they are and that'll sometimes inspire a response so like sorghum uh, stilts i didn't know what those were until um, I it up, so. <laughs> uh, oh okay so do you want to explain what they are for those uh, who might not know um, I don't know exactly how you make them because I wasn't able to find much on that. So I would imagine you tie them together and then there's somehow a fasten, like kids stand on them and 
something like that. And they make plastic ones now. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I couldn't find anything online about how you actually make them, but I just, I did find an article that uh, it was talking about how there's differences in the languages mm-hmm. between North and South Korea now after the split. And they've kind of lost uh, certain words in the dialect, I guess, like uh, they don't find sorghum still mentioned in their, in their writings much anymore. So it's like a memory or in the, or in the danger of becoming a memory, according to this one article I was looking at here. Um, yeah, I don't really know exactly how you would make them, but. So is the sorghum still used for agriculture primarily? No, it's like uh, something you play with. It's like a toy, oh, a like toy. a still, like a still. Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, you're walking further, higher off the ground. So it's yeah. something you, it's like a toy basically. Yeah. And it's something back, you know, back in the day they would play with. I don't, you really can't find much about it if you Google it. I don't, you can try it out. I don't see much there. Sure. I might, I might have to uh, do some uh, in-depth work for the show notes, but that's fascinating yeah. um, about the dialect changing because I mean, those, the, the, the two Koreas have been um, separated for, I'd say in terms of human history, a relatively 70 short time, year, 70 years, 70 years, long enough that we can see how language evolved. Like to me, that's, that's just so fascinating. Right. Like just how relatively quickly language can evolve. Yeah, because I guess you have like little slang that can transform to deeper, you know, yeah. what the language is. But uh, yeah, soju itself was introduced to Korea during the Mongol invasions of 1231 to 1259. So that goes way back, which is just a liquor made from rice, wheat, or barley grains, mm-hmm. typically. Yeah. Um, and the first part references that... Uh, the etiquette for drinking soju is that the youngest person is to pour the drink with two hands and the person mm-hmm. receiving it is also supposed to receive the drink with two hands. So uh, the poem's kind of referencing a, I guess, an older time, like the unity between yeah. the cultures that should exist or hopefully will exist one day yeah. again. And, and I think that's... I appreciate that exclama- explanation because... Um, in these, in whether it's haiku or tongue or or senryu, um, there's such short forms, but they can be so uh, loaded. And so I, you know, I like this was the first poem. I was like, yes, I want to hear this one on the podcast, oh, absolutely. Great. And yet, yeah, you still favorite. like my own his like historical and cultural knowledge is pretty lacking in that area. And so you have just un unraveled layers while we're talking that i like right. i still got a lot out of the poem not knowing anything yeah um, i think it's great that they can it can yeah. say something without actually knowing what it's saying exactly yeah. you know to the person that can say something but yeah and, and yet it, the really the what can reveal the true depth is a lot of implicit understanding and you never know you know what your reader right. is going to know or not know and you just have to hope that they get it right well actually you just hope they get something out of it you don't really yeah. As long as you get something out of it, it doesn't, I as don't care what it is. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole idea. Um, so this, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, all of it's, it's so different when you are uh, not in the same room with another person. Right. There's a little <laughs> bit of delay or something, I think. There's a little so. bit of delay. Um, but in the second one, uh, the cold rainy day. Um, so since, since you are here and you can tell me about, uh, the the two line turn she finds the rubber chicken in her purse what 
Yeah. What inspired that? I was I was super curious. I, I loved that one. And I was super curious about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know how I can really explain it, but so much. But like I said, sometimes I'll take them and try to find something funny mm-hmm. with it. So I was thinking about hot curry. I'm thinking about you know chicken curry is the only kind of curry I'm really mm-hmm. familiar with eating. But um, and then I was thinking about tears. I was like, you know, there's other ways you could be you could be crying just from the heat, which is like a superficial yeah. crying, yeah. and so is like laughter if you're crying or not really. There's yeah. no sorrow involved, so it's kind of. Uh, she's laughing. I guess she's laughing because of the laughing because of the rubber chicken, which uh, I don't know why a rubber chicken is funny to me, but it yeah. kind of goes. It kind of <laughs> goes. It's like an old gag type thing. So yeah, but um, yeah, there's nothing too deep about that. Uh, it just makes me laugh. And usually, if you laugh at your own poem, it's not always funny to everybody else. I thought it was. Yeah. Um, I, even though uh, it's not a rubber chicken, it made me think we're staying with my uh, partner's family right now, and our our nephew. You know, he just he's two and a half, and like we're like, Put where are the remotes? Why can't we find the remotes? And the remotes are just somewhere that you would not think a remote would be. Well, that's like, the other side of it. Yeah, right. it could be rubber chicken, like yeah. chicken, actual chicken that's rubbery. It could be. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That wasn't. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what you're going to find and yeah. where you're going to find it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, the idea with some of these poems is you kind of want someone to maybe think something else like that. I mean, you don't you don't yeah. want everyone to think, oh, just a rubber chicken, like an actual rubber chicken. But yeah, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Well, do you want to read your next two? Yes, I'll go ahead. So I'm gonna read them both. I'll read them both twice, one at a time. That way, we yeah. don't get lost here. Green walnut steeped in mead, inky stain, the calligraphy of her correspondence. Green walnut steeped in mead, inky stain, the calligraphy of her correspondence. Fruit stand, the butterfly sipping cut oranges from the edge of a knife. Fruit stand, the butterfly sipping cut oranges from the edge of a knife. Thank you. Uh, so you've mentioned that you don't, you know, necessarily revise all of them and you can't, right? Like I have written so many haiku and so many of them are just like, I did it. That's fine. That was, that was enough. That's Um, how I did most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you did mention, you know, you leave comments for each other and things like that. So do you have a, a formal revision process? Do you sort of spot revise, uh, do you do any at all? I'm really, I'm always curious yeah, how, good... how it's a pro approach, uh, revision, especially in short poems. So often if usually the most editing just goes when I'm creating the verse in the first place, like that first one, I had many different, I might go through like five different kind of ideas to go with it. And eventually I just kind of stick with one yeah. and I'll play with like the way it sounds. Like I'll read the first part and the second part to see if it sounds like the flow is good there. And then I don't really touch unless I submit it somewhere. If I'm thinking about submitting it, like maybe I like a certain poem, I might go back and mm-hmm. play with different wordings like these and A's, or I might even look at a thesaurus and see what kind of other words I can use for that. You know, like online, you can do an online thesaurus kind of check sometimes on certain words. Um, but usually it's just, I guess it's just on the spot editing. It's nothing, it's not like a profound process. Or sometimes she might suggest something like, you know, maybe this should be a, a separate line or maybe this word or she might ask about a word sometimes but uh 
in the beginning we did a lot more of that now we kind of we've done so many it's kind of like we just you just put them out there and uh see what sticks with each person and um yeah there's a lot of surprises like she'll surprise me with some all the time so that's kind of the i think when you write with someone for a while you can find that sort of stylistic right it's like you quit trying to fix it and you kind of just go with what is happening yeah you know instead of because every poem can you can do something with it so you know because i'm sure some of mine are not her favorite but she'll you know she'll just write to them but um so i was curious well and of course um you know i can't ask christina what she intended and that's yeah fine um um but i was so and she wrote both of the the three liners for these and again i was trying to keep it more balanced but i just i love these i'm i'm curious are you a woodworker at all no i've never okay actually i have a disability too so i'm not really i can't really use my hands very well so yeah i have muscular dystrophy so uh, maybe if i could i would be into creating things i don't know it's possibly yeah well i was i was fascinated because um and that the those first three lines about steeping a green walnut. Now I've never heard of one steeped in meat before. Yeah, I've heard them steeped in water. I don't yeah. really. I guess and this would be literally a make a walnut for all of you who don't are listening at home who don't know about woodworking. To li- you literally can make a walnut stain for furniture at home by steeping walnuts in water. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. If you don't wear gloves when you're working with green walnuts, you'll leave, your hands will be stained. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. So yeah, I imagine so, that can be that can be used for other things, I guess. Yeah. Yes, it can. Um, I didn't think I, about that. You can definitely, uh, literally, I, and that was so. I was like, wow, you can literally make walnut stain from actual walnuts, and of, of course, yeah, I didn't know could, that. Why wouldn't you be able to? That's <laughs> right. we lived a long time uh, making decorative stuff and and finishing furniture without you know industrial finish. Yeah, I didn't know about green walnuts. No, that's to that poem. I looked them up. I was it's yeah. just a unripe walnut. I didn't realize, but. Yeah. I've never eaten one. Uh, Christina told me she has not really eaten one. She just, she saw it on a Kigo list and kind of, uh, I guess, learned some about it. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm very, I, the steeping them in meat, that is. Uh, Sounds interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, so what led you to your, uh, your response in that poem? Yeah. So after researching it and kind of learning some more about it, um, that didn't really inform this particular verse, but uh, the inky stain mm-hmm. is kind of what I focused on. A lot of times when I when I'm doing these, I kind of focus on that last line, kind of like a like a Tonka mindset. Like I'm going to write from that somewhat, mm-hmm. not always, but inky stain, and then uh, steeped in mead. Uh, I feel like there's some kind of like uh, social aspect of that like maybe collecting walnuts and steeping them and kind of working them with your hands and um to me the correspondence would be working together to create something mm-hmm. to create that whatever you're i guess collecting the walnuts and uh the calligraphy would not be not necessarily literal calligraphy but just uh the stain that's left could be the the memory of it i guess mentally maybe as well kind of uh not literally like maybe calligraphy but um i also think of like a letter mm-hmm. when people used to write 
they were maybe writing calligraphy one at some point, maybe a long time ago. I don't know, but uh, just the different ways people communicate is a calligraphy, like how you, you know, not a literal calligraphy. Communication between two people is a kind of calligraphy. I it guess. Is. Yes. And the second one, um, so I love that opening verse, fruit stand, uh, because. Um, so in St. Louis, um, where I'm living now, uh, we have a butterfly house and it is, it is a greenhouse full of butterflies. And I sometimes have to take groups there for work. Um, so, so terrible. <laughs> um, but the first time I was there, I just remember uh, they have, um, all kinds of butterflies and there's this giant blue butterfly and it was the, the fruit smelled a little fermented and, but it was sipping at this fruit and i just I, I i thought the butterfly looked kind of drunk but like the fruit smelled super fermented oh. i don't know if butterflies can get drunk um but the butterflies supposedly seem... some animals can so maybe supposedly it's possible um but i i just thought like having seen a butterfly sipping cut fruit i like that image was so clear to me um like and so of... yeah yeah i can i can see your like as we go through these and you talk to me about your process i can see what you um, how you respond, like primarily to that last line, um, right? Yeah, was that mostly what you were responding to in this one, or was? Uh, yeah, you, yeah, I think mostly it is what I do, but uh, I think it's there's also a contrast between the delicacy, the delicate delicateness of the butterflies and the knife, yeah, and uh, kind of like a a danger that's not really there for the butterfly, but there's some kind of there's like a hard a hard edge to that, yeah, sort of. Uh, thing um i've seen a i've seen things where they lay out like slices of uh fruit to attract butterflies too i've seen that mm -hmm. at like you know maybe a garden or something yeah um yeah there's nothing too deep about that other than just the i like the sound of it and the yeah. feel of that so no i loved it and like i said that that first image was super clear for me especially after going to the butterfly house and uh um which i love um uh, that's one of my favorite places to get to take people. Um, but then that, for me, that, that sense of a knife edge was a, a really clear juxtaposition that I really appreciated. Um, and when Definitely. I, yeah. I have a, I have pretty limited experience with Tonrenga, but I know my own process. Um, what I actually try to do is I actually try to create as much contrast as possible if I'm doing oh. the, the two line response. And that's, that is my personal preference. You know, there's no one right way right. to do it. That's just probably because I'm a very ornery person in general. <laughs> I think I think I I do a variety of kind of yeah. subtle or sometimes uh, yeah. opposite. Yeah. Even sometimes I think it just depends on what I feel in that moment, what my mood is at that moment. Sometimes like I'm just going to do something crazy with this one. So yeah. sometimes, but but yeah, that's I really a subtle one. To that sense of contrast between the butterfly and the knife edge. Yeah, I think that's important for making uh, something interesting. Like, a, they call it like the aha moment, I guess, between the verses. Like, yeah. you know, like a high bun between mm -hmm. the prose and the poem itself. It's kind of like what you're creating with the two parts of the yeah. Tanringa. Yeah. So. All right, next two. All right. All right, this first one is actually my maybe my favorite of these. Just something about it. I can, for me, I can taste, I can feel that one and taste that one. So. Village crowd, breakfast coffee at the hawker stand, a crispy corn dog between sips. Village crowd, breakfast coffee at the hawker stand, a crispy corn dog between sips. 
Evacuees line up for water and rice, a volunteer's smile. The cute little ones tug their mother's dress. Evacuees line up for water and rice, a volunteer's smile. The cute little ones tug their mother's dress. So before we get into the poems themselves, I am curious, um, what led you, do you always write about to have tenranga that include food or is it just that you've written so many that food there's just so many on? i kind of go back and pull out what it was food related yeah. basically yeah yeah no that makes sense um i was right. i was just very curious if, if this was a uh when i look through i see food a lot so i guess food must be a uh a motivator for our writing i guess because yeah. Yeah. There's probably, I think I sent you 20 maybe, and then there's probably You sent me 21, uh, and I narrowed okay. it down to eight. <laughs> yeah, there's probably 50 other ones of yeah. the 500 psalms, so. Yeah, yeah. In some written sense. Yeah. All right, so the the uh, the village crowd, um, I also, that one is definitely one of my favorites. Um, um, I, part of it is because I, uh, I am a, a person who believes that any food is breakfast food. And I have yes. definitely, there have, there have been points in my life where I have gone <laughs> to a 24 hour diner and gotten a cheeseburger at nine o'clock in the morning. Cause I really wanted a cheeseburger. <laughs> for breakfast. Yeah. I believe anything can be breakfast and breakfast can be anything. So yes. yeah. you can have breakfast anytime. Sometimes you might want breakfast in the evening or. Yeah. So that was what I, um, I really responded to was actually, uh, that turn of the crispy corn dog. Um, um, and specifically with breakfast coffee, because you can all you can make right. any time of day, right? Like right. at least uh, where I live, I could definitely just uh, never sleep and just caffeinate myself twenty four seven if I wanted to. Sounds pretty um, good. So the to me, the what really makes this work is that Christina put breakfast coffee in there. Right, it is because um, you don't yeah. think of a corn dog for breakfast. So no, but I would totally yeah. eat a corn dog. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> For me, I can um, kind of feel that. I can kind of taste that corn dog almost. So that's why I like it. But uh, I don't know if yeah. everyone can feel that with that. But that's what yeah. I felt with it. Um. So were you trying to do some? Do you, and again, you know, you've written so many, you might not remember your exact process, right? Right. <laughs> but um, were you trying to do something super, like the? Were you trying to bring in a lot of contrast? And if you don't know, that's okay. No, I wasn't trying to bring any contrast with this one. I was just kind of bringing a, something I might enjoy. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe some coffee and a corn dog would be yeah. pretty good. I think I've actually never had a coffee with a corn dogs to know what that tastes like, but maybe I should. I don't know. I haven't either, but definitely I'm down for I'm down <laughs> Sounds for a cheeseburger. Uh, I am down for uh, a coffee with a McDonald's filet o fish, which is really the only thing yeah. I like at McDonald's anymore. Uh, um, that has not the Big Mac. Never was no. really into those. Uh, um, yeah, I like that. But that filet o fish still has great sentimental value for me. Or the McRib. Yeah, the McRib maybe. <laughs> never had one. Um, uh, I did. I didn't eat McDonald's for many years, and then once I did on a road trip, and I got chicken nuggets, and I was just like, mm, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but that filet of fish to me is still all right. Yeah, I'm not sure if the nuggets taste like chicken or not. It's debatable. Maybe they, they do are now. Chicken. They, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so I, I last went, and I'd say. 2012 or 2013 and i was i was like this does not yeah. taste as good as it did when i was eight years old i don't want to cost you your mcdonald's sponsorship here so that's not... <laughs> Fortunately, I, yeah. I currently do not have one <laughs> um, all right 
uh, so let's see. Um, and now uh, the next one, the evacuees lining up for water and rice. Um, this is one where you wrote um, the opening three-line verse. Um, yes. Was there a specific situation that inspired that? Yeah, I have a friend that uh, lives in the Philippines, and they had a big uh, yeah. typhoon come through earlier this year. Yeah. And uh, she actually, she's a teacher there, and she actually lost a couple of her students. Oh, my gosh. In that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, at their school, they actually did something where they had people uh, volunteering to give out rice and water. And a lot of the people giving it out were also people that were evacuees themselves. So kind of just the worst off given to the lesser worse off. Yeah. So the lesser worse off helping the more worse off, I guess. Uh, And I was thinking like uh, just the smile, someone's face can be as good as the water and rice that you're getting, you know, just seeing someone smile at a time of crisis, I think can, it's like a form of sustenance. A smile can really make a difference. Um, And I'm really, um, I, I do. I appreciate Christina. If you're listening, um, I, I really appreciate the way that Christina brought in that element of, um, of children. Yeah. It makes it very, that's a very sweet scene there with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw that one, I knew that was, we didn't edit or anything on that one. That was, that was good to go for me. Yeah. So yeah. I love the feel of that one. Cause I can see that. Yeah. All right. Last two. All right. And the first one, this first poem was actually in Haiku Dialogue not long ago as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Orange marigolds, the good tequila almost gone. To my head, first taste of spirit. Orange marigolds, the good tequila almost gone. To my head, first taste of spirit. Cactus flowers, pregnant with dragon fruits. Summer grove. She stacks them in her stall, opens one with a machete. Cactus flowers, pregnant with dragon fruits. Summer grove. She stacks them in her stall, opens one with a machete. All right. Um, and my last uh, non-poem question. Uh, I am curious because you mentioned having to uh, occasionally research, you know, look things up. And that's something that I know gets really debated in in haiku is like, right. is it okay if someone has to look a <laughs> word up or someone has to um, look, you know, uh a concept up and i'm i'm like yes because we we right. to me i'm like obviously because we can't know we just can't know everything right. right like that's my stance is we can't know everything so if your reader is not willing to look something up to me that's their loss um right um but i'm i'm just curious um what is your stance on um the on research and when you find yourself having to um look something up uh, I'm, I'm actually i'm curious how often it happens for you and and do you like have any specific places where you like to really go to to dive into to the research process um yeah i mean if i see it's something i don't really recognize like a plant or an animal i'll just put it in google mm-hmm. usually and find some reputable sources there and kind of just read through mm-hmm. those um particularly with christina's IQ, there's a lot of animals and plants that i'm not familiar with she's very knowledgeable of birds and animals and plants that I'm not really familiar with. So I feel like I learn a lot by looking up and sometimes you figure out a poem to write based on what you see. Like maybe you'll see an image or uh, learn something that you particularly are fond of about that particular item and kind of delve deeper on that. Uh, 
some of my best haiku were actually haiku where I've researched the uh, Kigo uh, and kind of delved into that and kind of found a new way to go with it based on what I learned. So I think uh, learning is important. Experience is a form of learning that's important for IQ, probably the most important, but I think that that's also a legitimate way of learning and writing haiku is just learning about the world any way you can, basically. So, yeah. Um, I, I do find I've been doing a, a Kigo practice and I often find myself having to look things up because I'll just, I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's even relative, necessarily native to what right. I'm currently hanging And even if, you, even if you kind of know what it is, if you read about it, you might learn a deeper history of it because a lot of the Kigo have a deeper meaning than just what they appear as, like the historical do. significance. Yeah. Um, I enjoy looking up things and researching. Yeah. I, I enjoy learning, so... If I'm reading a journal, like a long journal, I probably won't always look up everything. I'll just kind of, just like kind of go through mm-hmm. it because it's like there's like hundreds of poems. I'm not yeah. going to look up every. Uh, I'm more just look them up if I'm interacting with a certain theme yeah. or a uh, prompt or responding in a linked verse like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm very curious about the um, first one because again we have never met. Um, so, right. And I lived in, you know, I lived in Texas for years. And so uh, having lived in Texas and, you know, being close to Mexico and Day of the Dead, marigolds have a definitely a certain association uh, for me um, with the with Day of the Dead festivities. Yes. I was wondering if they had that for you, if that was something that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I've, I don't have much experience with the actual celebration itself, but I know that the marigold is kind of supposed to represent the holiday. Mm-hmm. Um and it's usually kind of spread on an altar or around the home to kind of welcome the, I guess it kind of attracts the spirit from the world of the dead to the world of the living, supposedly. And you might leave out like tequila, maybe someone's favorite tequila as a, you know, as a memory of them or to, I guess when they come back to earth, they are supposed to kind of share in that. And also you can drink it with someone kind of to celebrate, I guess, the holiday or celebrate someone you know, instead of mourning, it's kind of like instead of mourning loss, you're kind of celebrating yeah. the person. Yeah. And uh, there's also tequila they make with infusing the orange marigolds in the actual tequila itself. So, and I love where Christina went with that because she knew exactly that idea behind it, I think. Yeah, so, that's that's one of my favorite um, of of the ones that where Christina wrote the second lines. That's, that's one of my favorite um, I like how it goes almost gone to my head too. Like yeah. that's kind of like a phrase in itself. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I, I don't want to comment too much on what I think Christina's doing because that may not necessarily be what she's doing, but certainly, right. especially after you sent me 21 of these, um, I, I, I'm perceiving that she also has a specific way of responding when she's writing the second two lines. Um, that is interesting. That's definitely interesting right. to me. Yeah, she definitely responded to all three of the lines mm-hmm. the spirit can refer to yeah. the significance of the marigolds or the tequila. And then uh, if it goes to your head, I guess you're kind of not getting drunk on it, I guess. Or yeah, or it could just be uh, kind of getting into the, the holiday, I guess, yeah. in a way. But... And then the dragon fruit, um, that's one where you wrote, wrote the two-line response. Um uh, again, um, anything about that specific process for this one? Yeah, so I don't know what a dragon, I didn't really know. I mean, I'm kind of, I've heard of a dragon fruit, but I did not know exactly what it was. Uh, 
So I looked it up and saw that it's kind of a big cactus-like tree mm -hmm. that grows a uh, little, well, not, not little, they're kind of big, yeah. big red fruit, uh, tropical plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's basically a cactus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's the fruit of a, cac of a specific yeah. type of cactus. Yeah, it's kind of like a red fruit, kind of spiky. Yeah, I'm sadly allergic to them. Uh, I've never had them, so. They're pretty Christina good. Said, Christina but, says she has them for breakfast, so. Yeah, um, I find a lot of fruits with like tiny seeds embedded in the flesh to be visually off-putting. Um, but I was like, I'm going to try it. Right. Cause I'm like, I want to, I want to be a well-researched eater. Um, and I don't want to just judge a fruit because I think the seeds look funky. Right. Um, and I did, and it tasted very delicious, but then it turns out I'm allergic to them. So oops. <laughs> oh. Yes. Yeah, that's one way to find out that, yeah. uh, but they are pretty good. Um, so I would say if you happen upon one um, and they're in season uh, and you can get a good ripe one, you should, I would, I would recommend yeah, them. Yeah, I've not really them. seen them very often, but I, I have seen. Virginia, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, so researching it, I saw pictures of them like in a stand where someone had like in Vietnam, they had like a stand of them stacked up. And so I just kind of went with that. And then I was thinking, kind of like the visual of uh, someone opening one up, uh, there's a uh, kind of like a toughness in there mm -hmm. or something like, you know, she's, you know, just gets one and smacks one open there yeah. on the stall. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't really, that really is definitely far from the actual poem. The, the initial three lines doesn't really just the, just the stacking them in the stall is kind of the only yeah. follow there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I like it when a poem can right. go the distance. So. I don't know what I'm talking. I feel like am I am I explaining or just kind of rambling on? So hopefully it makes some sense. Uh, to me, I mean, I, you know, I have I have two English degrees and a poetry degree, so to me, it's all the same. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> it's just nice to talk about things, and um, I don't know. To me, sometimes it it helps to. I like to go on those tangents. Yeah, just a free flow, just yeah. a free th flow of ideas. Yeah. But what I would do is I would recommend other people to write in this form because uh, I don't think haiku should be written alone. I think it's it's such a short form. I think it makes sense to write it as a correspondence with other people and have them look in at it. And this is like a this is a good way of having other people edit your work without a feeling like it's just about editing. It's about writing. It's a writing process as well. So um, yeah. Well, I was going to ask if you had any last thoughts because uh, we're coming right. up on our uh, time, but um, it sounds like you went into that very naturally. Uh, but if there is anything yeah. else you'd uh, you'd like um, to say, um, that uh, here's your here's your chance. Yeah, I just say find someone to write with and uh, focus on just writing whatever comes to mind. Don't kind of sweat over the details of it. Uh, creating something together is kind of more rewarding than creating something by yourself. I feel like, um, cause you know, two people can celebrate the poem being accepted into a journal. Yeah. And, uh, it's, I was kind of, when I first reached out to you, I was thinking of the idea of working together, like making food as well. Cause it's okay. more enjoyable when people yeah. cook together. It is sometimes. And if you cook, and if you cook with, yeah, it can be, <laughs> it can be contentious, it can. but like cooking with children or something is a good, yeah. activity you can't be yes. too worried about how it turns out necessarily no, kind of like with these when you're writing poems you can't really worry too much about how it's going to turn out you no. just kind of the process is what's fun so yeah you should cook with other people and write poems with other people and you'll be happier i guess yeah. 
Maybe I so. like that. I like. I might use that for the title of the episode. Okay. <laughs> All right. But, uh, well, thank you so much for yes. being on the podcast and being my first uh, guest I've never met. All right. Thank you, Allison. It was nice to meet you. And uh, I look forward to writing some more of these and maybe we'll get together again sometime to discuss some more. All right. All right. Thank you again to Matt Defabo for coming on the podcast to talk about your Tan Renga. Um, of all of the regular episodes you've heard so far, um, I believe that's everyone's first time being on a podcast. So, you know, uh, a lot of people are sort of stepping outside their comfort zone along with me, and I really appreciate it. Thank you also, Christina Chin, for letting us share the work you collaborated on, um, even though you uh, weren't able to make it on the show. Um, I appreciate you just being willing to put your work out there like that. It means a lot to me. Um, next episode, September 20th with Jennifer Hambrick and Jennifer is a, uh, recording professional. So <laughs> she's, she's my first guest, uh, where she really knew what she was doing, uh, which was, uh, really motivated me to bring my A game in a new way because I am really learning as I go and uh, she really knows uh, what's up. And we had a great conversation. It was a lot of fun and I think you'll enjoy it. All right, just a reminder, my September slots are all full, but my October calendar is pretty empty. So if you wanna come on the show, go to culinarysaijiki.com Click join the conversation, fill out the form, and I'll uh, work on getting you scheduled. I'd love to talk to you. And again, I do focus on haiku, but especially after uh, the great fun I had talking with Matt for this episode, if you write, you know, in the Japanese short form tradition and you uh, write about food, uh, I'm welcoming other forms as well. And of course, you can always buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash culinarysaijiki. And yes, all the links will be in the show notes. And it really means a lot when you do uh, share this ep- these episodes out to the people you think will appreciate them. Uh, I, I'm seeing uh, more and more people that stick them in their Instagram stories and on Twitter, and it, uh, it really means a lot uh, to see that people care enough to spread the word. So... Thank you for that, and thank you for listening.